another episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Paygard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today, and I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. So let's go ahead and get started. The, uh, the, the scripture that we're going to go off of today for our discussion and our Bible study is found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 13 to 14. Uh, a question was posed to me yesterday uh, via email uh, to just explain um, what these verses mean and, and to explain the context of that meaning. So what I'll do is is uh, we'll go ahead and read those verses and then read the uh, the section that that comes from, which is basically verses 1 to 19 in uh, chapter 11 of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, then we'll pray, and then I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the context of those verses. Uh, and then there's a, a, greater, uh, a, a greater issue at hand um, relating to these verses uh, that I think we can find applicable um, to, to our daily lives and our our faith life, or even if we're, we're not believers right now, um, how we approach the message of Christianity or how we approach uh, the Gospels or the story of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, uh, if, you, if you have an app, go ahead and get that open to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to go ahead and read the two verses that the question was, uh, was concerned with. And uh, those are verses 13 to 14. And then I'm going to go ahead and read the entire section 1 to 19. Um, so, like I've said before, if you have a, a version that is not NIV, which is the version I'll be reading out of, uh, go ahead and, and, and you can read it. Uh, you can press pause on the podcast and read it yourself. Uh, get the context of the, the, the tone and the voice of your version, uh, and then you can you know start the, the podcast back up and, and read it with us, um, or you can do it after I read. Um, but either way, uh, just to, to prevent any confusion with the versions, uh, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to look at 13 to 14 first, then 1 to 19. So this is chapter 11 in the Gospel of Matthew. And the verses relating to the question start in verse 13. It says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So as you can see from those verses, the, the questions relating to prophecy uh, and, and, and two figures, John the Baptist and the prophet Elijah. So now let's go ahead and read the whole section uh, for verses 1 to 19. So this is starting in verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. 
To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by your actions. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for this this scripture. I thank you for the question that was posed and that we can all benefit from that question and that we can all uh, search our own hearts and search how, how we follow you and how we approach you and what we expect and, and what, we, what we feel we ought to receive. Help us just to be open, Lord, for what you are providing right now. Help us to be open to trust you, to know our, our, our deepest needs, not necessarily our desires, but what we need. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that this scripture, this time that we have together to, to discuss the scripture, I pray that it grows our faith in your son Jesus as he is, and that we can accept Jesus as the way to you and allow you to be the provider of what we need. Lord, we pray that we not be distracted by what we want or what we expect or what we assume should happen, but that we can just be open like a child in need, ready for you to provide as our good father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and look at the verses first that uh, were pertaining to the question, and then we'll, we'll kind of expand that out to a broader, uh, broader lesson or message that we can take and, uh, and we can go from there. So, so let's look at verses 13 and 14. Um, this is the third time we're reading it, so we should, should know it pretty well by now. Uh, verses 13 and 14 start, and 13 saying, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So, right off the bat, you understand there's there's a there's an issue of of John and Elijah. Now, now the problem, and and if you don't know the Bible, if you haven't really read the Bible, uh, the issue here is that these are not two men linked in the same generation. Uh, these are men separated by hundreds of years. Um, so, this idea that John and Elijah are are in some way connected, um, or that there's some kind of uh, prophecy between uh, Elijah. And John is is hard to understand. It's hard to believe, you know, for people in that day uh, who had uh, an even deeper grasp on, you know, the history of Israel, the place of Elijah in that history, uh, the prophecies um, through all the prophets. Uh, it was it was it was a difficult thing to grasp and understand. You, you know, now you remove that from, you know, from where we are, you know, thousands of years, and it's even harder. And and, and this idea that there's been prophecy, I think even the idea of prophecy. Is, is, is hard to grasp. It's hard to believe. Um, I know before I came to Christ, even as I was, was approaching Christ and, and, and kind of starting to seek uh, the answers that God had for me, not necessarily the, the preconceived notions that I had in my head, um, the idea of prophecy always really made me uncomfortable, uh, especially, you know, our, our exposure to prophecy now, you typically see in the form of televangelists or, 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 or modern-day prophets Usually prophesying end times, um, it's usually, uh, you know, a, a scary, you know, message of terror uh, where, where some, some person randomly uh, somewhere has, has been told the date, the time, uh, what will happen, when the end is coming. And then as we've, we've gone through our history, those have all been proven false. So, so our, our idea of, of prophecy, it's, it's hard to believe just in, in general 
uh, with with how we approach the world and what we believe is possible. But then, you know, we've become, you know, more and more disillusioned uh, when we face prophecy because of all of the false prophets. Um, and, and that idea of prophecy is, is something that's hard to grasp. And, and really, and I'm, I'm a product of that, really, it's something that you have to, you know, t- take a leap of faith and say, okay, God, I don't understand it completely. I'm not right there, but, but help me to have peace with it. Um, you know, last week we talked about, or on the last episode, we talked about this idea that you can have, and, you know, a lot of questions, um, and, and God has answers, but there are some things that you, you won't ever find the answer to, but God will give you peace, even though you don't know everything and don't have all the answers to your questions. And prophecy is one of those where if you're, if you're really seeking God, if you're really seeking his voice and his presence in your life, you do have to take a, a step of faith and say, this, this is totally illogical to me, you know, that there can be a, a, a fluid voice speaking throughout history uh, through through different people uh, disconnected from one another, totally unrelated, but there can be a singular voice speaking um, throughout um, all of history. Uh, it's something that doesn't make sense um, intellectually, but approaching God, we have to be approaching His ways, which are higher than our ways, and 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 His um, His being, which is which is higher than our being, and we have to confront that and say, you know, there are some things that maybe I'm not able to understand. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're not true. You know, if you ask a, a, a five-year-old um, about quantum mechanics or, or uh, uh, rocket science or, or anything, you know, beyond, you know, the, the, the seven or eight-year-old uh, level, they're not going to be able to grasp it. Now, that doesn't make them untrue, um, but it's, it's more advanced. So if we're approaching God as God, as the creator, as the designer, He's more advanced, and that means that there's going to be things that are, are difficult for us to grasp, even though they're true. So uh, what I want to do right now is just connect um, where that where those verses are coming from, you know, where Jesus is getting that from, um, and, and how we can see that in the Bible. One of the things that, that I do a lot with my Bible studies, it's really what my ministry was centered on uh, for the last five, six years, was comprehensive Bible study, you know, finding links throughout the entire Bible, not looking for secrets in the Bible, but seeing the, the fluid and, and unbroken uh, story arc of the entire scriptures. And when you approach the Bible in that way, and it does take take uh, a commitment, it does take a, a, a lot of time to, to be, be getting in scripture, uh, not just, you know, a verse a day, but reading, um, reading a lot, you know, being in it and, and, and really swimming in scripture. What you do, uh, you know, by doing that is you start to build this puzzle of, of seeing these, these common, you know, themes, these common references, uh, common, uh, you know, occurrences in the relationship between man and God or Israel and God. And you can start to see that there's this unbroken line throughout the entire scripture. And for me, as, as a non-believer, really coming to Christ and coming to the, the, the Christian faith, that was something that was was so amazing to me because the Bible to me was always just old New Testament, boring, maybe kind of interesting and, and relevant. You know, angry God, nice Jesus. It was it was these categories, these black and white categories of the Bible, and that really forced me to kind of you know uh, look the other way to to most of our Bible, which is the Old Testament. And when you you know hear Jesus talk, you know, especially like in in these verses where he's referring to figures in the Old Testament and how they are connected 
to 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 his day and and what was happening through him, you start to see that he didn't view scripture or the Bible in that black or white um, two dimensional uh, structure. Uh, he he understood that scripture, you know, being the sun, being the logos, um, he understood that everything in scripture, the the whole purpose of of all of the prophets and the law was to be ultimately revealed in him. Um, and, and that's really, you know, fundamental in how we understand our faith. We, we can't totally understand our call or our place in that, that salvation history or the work of salvation unless we understand the entire story and, and see the, the interconnectedness of the entire story. So uh, one thing I like to do with my groups is I like to, to show that. Um, so I'm going to do a little, uh, a little Bible study um, a, a little kind of scavenger hunt in the word, and then we'll kind of expand it out a little bit. So first, you know, we have 13 and 14 talking about how, um, you know, the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Um, John is, is, is after Malachi, uh, who is the last um, Old Testament prophet. John is viewed as the last prophet. So, so Jesus is saying for all the prophets, um, you know, up to Malachi, but even into, into John, um, it, it, it's all been prophesied. You know, Christ has been prophesied through all of them. And then he says, and if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So there's our first clue. Um, Jesus is making the connection between John the Baptist and Elijah. So we have that first clue of, of he is the Elijah in verse 14. So what we can do there is kind of scan through the word. If, we, if we've seen that come up, the spirit of Elijah or what Elijah will do in the future, then we can start to draw the lines. So what we do then is if you have your Bible or if you're, if you have your Bible app, go back to Malachi and you're going to go to Malachi three verse one. So pause the podcast if you need to and, and, and get there and then, and start it up again. But Malachi three verse one starts by saying, see, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So first, Malachi is saying in chapter 3, that, and this is God speaking through Malachi, that I will send a messenger and he will prepare the way. Um, he will prepare the way for the Lord to come to his temple. Um, so this is again speaking about the Messiah um, coming and, and completing the, the salvation work um, in, in the Gospels, which, which we find Jesus doing. Um, so Malachi is, is referring to this future work and this future, future messenger. So we have Elijah, and then back to Malachi, we have a messenger. Now, we, we haven't identified that messenger by name yet, but if you go to chapter 4 in Malachi, and we're going to look uh, mainly at verses 5 and 6. So we know that Elijah is connected to John, um, and, and we know that in Malachi, God is saying, I'm going to send a messenger before the Lord. So preparing the way for the Lord, I'm going to send someone. So the Lord is the Messiah who's yet to come. And God says in Malachi, I'm going to send a messenger to prepare the way. And that's prophesied. So we have the messenger. We don't have the name. So then if we go to Malachi four, five and six, so go ahead and get there and then rejoin us. Or if you're already there, five, it says, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children 
and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So now we have the next puzzle piece. So first we have Jesus saying that all the prophets until John have prophesied about Christ. Then we say that Jesus is identifying John in the same company as Elijah and saying that Elijah is John. So you have to kind of wrap your brain around that. Jesus is saying they are connected. Elijah and John are connected. So then we go back to Malachi and God is saying that there is going to be someone who prepares the way before the Messiah, before the anointed one, before the Christ. And we know that is Jesus. So there has to be someone that is doing some kind of preparation work before the Messiah. So if we kind of try and erase what we know about the, the whole story, because we have the, 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 the luxury of hindsight. So let's erase that. So we know that in the time of Malachi, he's saying that God is predicting that before the Messiah comes, there's going to be a messenger that is preparing the way. And then later in Malachi, he identifies that messenger as Elijah. Now, the problem here is Elijah's already been dead. So Elijah, this, this is this is not a, a new Elijah. This is Elijah, the same Elijah we see earlier in the Bible. But now God is speaking to Malachi and saying that messenger is going to be Elijah. So again, it doesn't make sense that, that a, a dead man can reappear hundreds of years later. But this is what God is telling us. He's saying that Elijah will be the messenger preparing the way for the Lord, or for my son, the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. So we're starting to see a line. Now the, 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 the missing piece now, the missing piece of the puzzle is do we have anything that connects John to Elijah outside of what Jesus is saying? And we do. So let's go to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. So again, find your place, and then you can uh, can rejoin us as we go through verses 12 to 17. And we're going to focus on verse 17, but let's read 12 to 17. So this is starting in verse 12, and this says, When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. So he's, he's looking at the angel. The angel has appeared. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So the angels telling telling his dad, telling Zechariah, there's going to be something very unique and special about your boy and what he's going to do. The Holy Spirit will be with him, but not only that, but the spirit of Elijah is on him. So that's the missing piece. And even there in the works he's going to do, it says, it says that to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and it wasn't that long ago. We were in Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. And it says, 
See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The word is amazing. It, it, it really, if, if we are willing to just be in the presence of God as he speaks, and we don't come to the Bible just needing some good advice for the day, and we don't just come to the Bible because it's part of our reading plan. And it's going to look real bad if I go two days in a row without having any check marks in those boxes. And if we go to the Bible, not as something that is comforting, something that is encouraging, something that is necessary, but as something that is real. You know, in Hebrews 4.12, it talks about the words. is It's living. It's like a sword. It's, it's interacting with you. It's cutting you to the heart. It's showing you who you are. This is not just a book. One of my friends in Korea um, was just starting to learn about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to read the Bible. And, um, and she was starting to encounter this, this amazing, you know, element in the word that was, that was living, you know, it was speaking it was, it was moving with her. And the only way she could explain it or describe it is it was a magic book. And it really is, is something, it's something unlike anything you've ever experienced. Any other book or any other, you know, self-help book or, or, or anything. Because it, it, it grows with you. It, it knows where you are. It knows what you need to hear. But the only way we hear that and, and receive what it's providing is if we're approaching it knowing that it has the authority to speak. And I, I submit and I sacrifice my desire to dictate what I want to find in it. You have a lot of people that have read their Bibles so many times. A lot of non-believers who have just been curious and they've read the entire Bible multiple times. And not received anything from it. That is absolutely possible. I'd say that's sometimes common in churches. Where you have people that have gone through their Bible numerous times. Even marked it up. Lots of, lots of markings and highlights and comments and all sorts of stuff. Looks very used. And they haven't received what it's providing for them because it's always been me first and then the word follows. How does the word help me? How does it relate to me? How does it affect me and my faith or how God views me? And what we have to do when we go into the word is we have to say, God, speak. And the thing about God and the thing about his word is that it doesn't hide. It's not looking for ways to get around you. It's not looking for ways to avoid you. It's all there. I was just reading through the book of Isaiah last week, and it's just, he couldn't be more upfront. God, that being, he couldn't be more upfront about his heart, what he wants for us, what's happening, what's going to happen. It's all there. 
you know, and we look at the Pharisees and we think, gosh, you know, how did they, how did they miss it? You know, how, how do they not see it in, in the prophets and see all the connections, blah, blah, blah. You know, do you? We have the entire story. We have the Gospels. We have the letters of Paul. We have Revelation. Do you see all the connections? They're there. The, the connections are there. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that you've created this approach to the Bible that is, is you know, just exciting and it's kitsch and it's, it's, you know, I found the secrets in the Bible and I've got the code and I've got the numbers that add up. No, you don't have to get weird about it. You just have to go to it and say, God, you speak. And what he does when he speaks is he shows you an entire dialogue from beginning to end that is saying the same thing. So when we look at this and we see, you know, Matthew connecting with Malachi and then with Luke, it's amazing. There's no code there. God just keeps saying the same thing. You know, you don't have to be you don't have to be some kind of expert in Hebrew or Greek to understand all the codes. We just read it. I mean, this is the New International Version. This is not a, a this is not King James or this is not a a convoluted version of the Bible. This is the, the, the accessible international version. Very accessible English. And it's, it's a version that I, I do trust. And it just from Old Testament to New Testament. We didn't have to dig. It's just there. Jesus says, Elijah's John. Malachi says, I'm going to send a messenger before Jesus. That's going to be Elijah. Zechariah hears from the angel that his son's going to be born and be special, and Elijah's going to be with him. Just ABCs. And then that's just a little piece. When you expand that, you start to see that that's in the entire scripture. I was just in Judges 18 with my house church this last Sunday. It's amazing. The entire gospel is there. Now, if you're just going through your reading plan, and I do this too, where you read just you know, you're just getting in the, the rhythm of reading. You're just one chapter, two chapter, three chapters. It's easy to miss that. But when you stop and you hover over that place and you say, God, you speak. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what I need to hear, but you speak. What you see is that he illuminates the scripture and the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and opens your ears. Just like Jesus says in verse 15, he who has ears, let him hear. Same with the eyes you know, approach the Bible and say, God, you speak. And what happens when you do that? The Bible changes from just being something that you go to, to check off or to get something, you know, uh, you know, quick from, but it, 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 it's, it's a living dialogue. It's an amazing thing. The scriptures, the greater kind of broader approach to this passage, um, and I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the clock, and I want to keep it uh, as close to 30 as possible. We, 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 we knocked the time down significantly the last one, and I'm going to knock more time off this week to, to get you going close to a half hour. But the, the, the main thing that we're dealing with with this passage, 1 through 19 and 13 to 14, those, those selected verses, is this idea of expectation. John was not sure that Jesus was the Messiah because John had an expectation of what the Messiah would do. John was hearing what Christ was doing. And what Christ was doing is he wasn't just healing the Israelites. He was healing everyone, Gentile and Jew. And John had an assumption that the Messiah would be raising up the, the, the nation of Israel. 
redeeming Israel. You hear that all through the, the, the prophecies that you know Israel is going to be redeemed. But you also hear in prophecy that it's God's children, God's creation, God's people, and people far off will also hear the good news. And people that have not yet heard of him will hear the good news. So John had an expectation and was confused and was almost missing what Christ was doing because of those assumptions. And then Jesus turns it on the people that went after John, saying, what did you expect? Did you expect to hear a prophet? Did you expect to hear a rich man? What did you expect? You know, when you went out, did you, did you go out to John thinking, I think he's going to say this, I'm prepared to hear this. No, John was speaking truth. He was speaking a, a, a message of repentance. Repent, turn, prepare for the Lord, prepare for the Lord's coming. And then he announces, behold, the Lamb of God, he's here. And then even at, at the end of that section, it, it gives this, this little poem. You know, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. We have expectations of what we think God will do or how we think he will act or how we think he is. We think God is an authoritarian, mean grump of a dad or a king and then that filtrates down into how we approach the word and how we approach the message of grace we're stuck on this tight wire where we don't want to make a mistake lest we make him mad or we come to the bible and think you know it's just about grace god is love i'm just a sinner i can't control that but there's always forgiveness mercy's new every morning I'm just human, but God is love. And there's no repentance there. It's just bro Jesus, buddy Jesus. There's no honor there. There's no respect there. Or even in our, in our, our, our walk with Christ and thinking about what we're going to be called to do, where we're going. You know, we have expectations. We say, you know, I've been faithful, faithful with this and God is going to do this. I know he's leading me here. I know this is what he wants me to do now. And we start to put together this portfolio in our head of these are the steps God ought to take as opposed to God saying, these are the steps I've ordained and commanded you to take. Big difference there. And even the way we approach the Bible and thinking, you know, I, I'm just going to read John's gospel and then 1 Corinthians 13. And those I just feel so warm inside when I read those. But if you only read, and we've talked about this before, if you only select those passages of the scriptures that comfort you, that's not a real relationship, especially not a real relationship with a father, a boss, a creator, or king. The king has the rights to tell you when you're wrong. And if you've just created this idea, this image of God that is just an affirming God, that is not the God of the Bible. What you worship is not the God of the Bible. You've created an image of God that makes you comfortable. But that is not a God that is allowed to correct you or convict you. And good friends, good parents will tell you when you're wrong, will tell you when you need to change, when you need to repent when you need to alter your lifestyle because of the way it's affecting you and those around you. 
A bad friend will just keep affirming you. That is the opposite of love. Just affirming someone because you're afraid to make them uncomfortable or to come off as that person. No one wants to be that person that points out the the, the wrong things that are happening, the wrong directions. They just want to have a good time, just be happy. It's not a good friend. It's not a good relationship when all it's based off of is affirmation. Some of the strongest affirmation towards the person that you love or you care about is being willing to say the hard things. And one thing that's true about God is that he is honest. And that honesty comes often in the form of love, encouragement, grace, affection. But that honesty also comes in rebuke. We like things a certain way. And we have expectations of what what will happen, what we think is happening, what we want to happen. And it's so easy because of our sinful nature to reduce God into a sidekick or reduce God into the form of a servant that we like and that's necessary, but isn't necessarily our authority. He's a helper. And that is not the God of the Bible. Jesus comes in in Matthew 11 and says, this dialogue, this storyline culminating in me is something that has been told to people over time throughout history and people have not understood it. And it's not because God was not clear. It's not because God did not have the, the power. It's because people did not want to hear what God had to say because how that impacted their life. The reason people do not want to hear that they are sinners, the reason people do not want to hear that they're living in sin and that they need to change is because of what that will take from their lifestyle and their comforts. In that moment, that flesh reaction, it has nothing to do with the love of God. It has everything to do with the love for the self. And everything is hunky-dory. Everything is great. As long as God doesn't cross that line and tell me to stop. And we create this expectation that the message of the Bible, the entire story arc, is not that Jesus comes to bring a sword, not that Jesus comes to bring truth and conviction and a call to repent of your sinful nature, comprehensive sinful nature, not the big sins and small sins, sinful nature to repent of those desires of the flesh that separate you from the presence of God. No, we don't look at the Bible like that. We say, the Bible is great because it gave us Jesus, and Jesus makes me feel good because he's done everything, so I don't have to, and he's just the the culmination of God's love for me that is grace and forgiveness, and those mercies are new every morning, and I can approach God as my daddy because he just loves me, and it's just so great because there's so much love, and he just loves me even though I'm not perfect. He loves me. That's what we expect when we go into the Bible. And I can tell you, friends, if you do that, you have created a God. Because that is not the God that testifies about himself throughout Scripture. Like we saw even just a small section from Malachi to Luke. 
in that small section, God is saying the same thing, preparing us. He sent John to prepare the way, but he prepares us throughout scripture saying, don't be surprised when this happens. And when you're wondering, is this the real thing that is happening? Is Jesus really the culmination of this storyline? You can go into scripture and God is saying chapter after chapter, this is how you know that Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the final culmination and the resolve of everything that has been built throughout scripture. That there is no loose end. There is no doubt when you go through scripture and say, God, tell me what you've created. Tell me what you've been unfolding. What are you revealing to us in terms of where we are as it stands to your presence, where we are as it stands to your grace, and how we get brought back in. And over and over throughout the entire scriptures, God is saying, you are dead in your sin and you cannot pay the debt that you've created in order to bring you back into my presence. Something greater than you has to be paid. And that will be the Messiah. That will be the anointed one. That will be the Christ. There will be a messenger that will prepare the way for the Lord when he comes to his temple. And takes that curse upon himself to save you. There is one singular message throughout every chapter of the entire Bible. Understand that. Hear that. That is not kooky secrets of the Bible talk. That is God testifying about himself in scripture saying there is one message and it says you are lost in your sin because of your desire to be king and God of your own life and that leads to death. Choose life. Like we said in the last episode, I'm giving you a way, the way I'm giving you Christ, the way, the truth and the life choose life. And here's how you can tell that this is the foolproof answer that has been testified about. It can be verified. It is foolproof. Everything else that we expect in this life is inconsistent and it's unstable. We hope for the best. We think this will happen. We have an idea of how things will unfold. There's still doubt there. There's still uncertainty if it will really happen. God erases that from our minds as an excuse that we couldn't see it. God says, were you even looking and were you even listening to what I was saying, testifying that this is true, this is what it is, this is what I've testified about, this is what I've created for you, and this is the answer. And it's final. Jesus fulfills the law. He is the culmination of all the prophets until John. And that connection to Elijah is one way, only one way. There are many others, one way that Jesus says, you can find me in your history being talked about and how God has been preparing you to receive me. Have you seen it? Have you heard it? Not with your ears and your eyes, but have you been willing in your heart to say, I'm ready for what God has to say, no matter what it is, because he is God and I am his child. And because he is good, what he has for me to hear and see is for my benefit so I can live. Amen. So when it comes to your faith, when it comes to you approaching the Bible, going to church, we have to know that our instinct, our sinful nature, wants to create expectations 
to have those things, church, Bible study, our private devotional time, serve us. And if that's where we start, we're heading in the wrong direction before we even get going. Take this truth into your heart right now. Take this truth into your mind and ask yourself, when I go into the Bible, am I listening for what God has to say to me? With no excuses, no debate, no argument, what does God want me to hear? What is he showing me? And I can tell you, because I'm proof of this, I can tell you that if you approach the Bible in that way, you will receive life in those words that point towards life in the person of Jesus Christ, and you will receive what is promised in the word in terms of peace, joy, strength, and confidence that what you believe is true and unshakable. So confront those expectations in your mind. What do you expect from God? What do you expect him to do? What do you expect him to say to you? And be willing to put those at the altar and say, God, if all of those expectations are leading me away from your truth and what you're actually providing for me, take them away. Because they're from me and I don't know. Let him be God. Let him speak. Let him testify about himself throughout scripture. And have life. Choose life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we have the scriptures. I thank you that we have that, that gift, that we have the gift of hindsight, that we can put it all together. And I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit and that we can have access to your truth and access to your presence anytime we want. Such a gift. Help us to approach the word this week, today, as we hear it on Sundays. Help us to, to, to put ourselves in your presence. Say, God, as our Father, as our King, tell me what I need to hear. And rebuke what I want to hear or what I expect you to say. Father God, refine us and help us to be hungry for your word, hungry for you, hungry for what you're providing for us. And give us joy and satisfaction when we receive that, whatever it is, if that's encouragement or rebuke, love or conviction. Father, just help us to understand that the source of that truth is good and perfect and holy. Thank you, Father, for being an, an, an unbreakable and sustainable and eternal figure in our life that is true and enduring. And thank you for giving us your word that we can learn more about your truth and how it has endured and that it will never fail. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we'll leave it there for this week's episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and remember to send me your thoughts, questions, comments, or scriptures, just like the one that we use today. Um, any scripture uh, that you are curious about, that you want maybe uh, discussed on the podcast, send it in, and uh, and we'll go ahead and, and use that, and that'll bless me, I'm sure, and I, I pray that it blesses others that, that tune in. So until next time, enjoy the word, and God bless. God bless.